It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we are giving you our final quarterback rankings for the 2023 NFL Draft. You guys know the drill. We're going from five to one, saving the suspense for last. Me and Connor going back and forth talking about who we have as our top five quarterbacks. But of course, those who have listened to the program and ranking episodes before know that we'll talk about some guys who just missed out on the top five, guys who are rounding out the top 10. We're going to talk about as many quarterbacks in as much detail as possible. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me as always is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikma. That is Connor Rogers joining you for what is the first installment of many in which we go through our final positional rankings as we ramp up to the 2023 NFL Draft. Connor and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago as we were setting up the schedule. And we're like, man, we love the guest mock draft series. And we know a lot of you out there loved it too. But when it came to the end of the series... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It was draft week and we realized we hadn't given you guys any of our final thoughts on prospects. So we kind of wanted to prioritize that a little bit this year. See if that works going into next year and the years to follow. But I am excited to get back to it because I really like doing these rankings episodes. Connor, I know you like it as well. And of course, we had to start with the position that everybody talks about at quarterback. So how you doing, my friend? Uh, Very excited for this episode. I'm good, man. I am too. It's about time, right? And I like that we waited this long because here's the reality. Like, our quarterback thoughts are so layered in this show. Going back to last May or June, right, where we're, right. we're like, hey, we really, and I know we did top fives then, but throughout the entire year, we do mock drafts, they're highlighted by quarterbacks. When we have conversations and trades, they're highlighted by quarterbacks. So a lot of you listening probably know that, you know, we really like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, and we'll get into um, the depth of this class quite a bit as well. But it, it is one of those groups that it's worth waiting on. There are some surprises, I think, in this class when you get into the tape compared to narratives. Mm-hmm. It feels like around this quarterback class, there is a pretty good consensus building at the top. But we'll see how it goes today, Trevor. And it's it, I'll say this. After last year, where you and I were doing this podcast together, it is very nice and refreshing to have multiple top quarterbacks at the top of a draft again. Oh, I yes. Now, to be fair... <laughs> 
we still talked about quarterbacks a lot last year. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> we just didn't talk about them in the same light that we get to talk about these guys. You guys know the format. If you've listened to this show before, what Connor and I will do, this is every ranking episode. We're going to go from five to one, give you our top five guys. But then, of course, at the end of the show, we watched a lot of these players. And so we'll give you our thoughts and some players that we think are just outside the top five because they're a little bit further down the list. With this being, when we say final, I really say final is just like, we're not going to dedicate a full episode to just this position again. I think that yep. when you and I get to our final big boards on draft week, that's going to be the opportunity where we really get to say, okay, I've got this quarterback, this depth quarterback slotted exactly here. This is where I see them in the class. This is where I see them um, overall. And so you'll get a little bit more of that. But when we say final, what we're really just talking about is like, this is the last episode. We're really going to um, devote a ton of time to it. So, yep. but I, I, I have a bad feeling <laughs> as one does <laughs> that we're going to have the exact same top five, but I wonder if we see these prospects a little bit differently. I wonder if we have them tiered a little bit yes. differently, have them in different buckets, different groups, different outlooks. And so as I try to do, I'm going to give you the floor. I'm going to allow you to start what things off and kick it off here at number five. Who is your number five quarterback in this 2023 NFL draft class? I think the tiering system helps, right? Because, yeah, I do feel a consensus building around. Um, so in tier three for mm -hmm. me at QB5, and it was a lot closer than I expected, is Hendon Hooker. And sure. it, let me tell you, Trevor, I really I did struggle with this for a while. I watched, ironically, not during the season, but in the last two weeks, I've watched way more of Hendon Hooker and Will Levis than anyone else like sure? i felt pretty comfortable with bryce young and cj stroud going back to summer and then kept up with their tape all year where and even anthony richardson when he had such a great opening to the college football season i'm like this is a guy that everybody needs to watch in the first round with hooker and levis who were on this roller coaster this year hooker more because of the injury Levis more because of a, a lot of varying reasons, some supporting cast, some just struggle to play. I mean, it, it was a little tougher to break this down. So as I stare at my big board right now, I have Hendon Hooker at the 40th overall spot. Okay. Um, and I've already given away Will Levis is next, which isn't shocking anyone at 37. And they're both in tier three for me. I, I don't. Okay. They, we talk about the quarterback tax. These guys are probably going in the first round, and I really feel that way about Hooker, as I've said before, too. I wouldn't be shocked to see him sneak in on the back end of round one. I don't think he's in the top 10 or anything like that. These guys are tier three guys. They have flaws in their game. They're both older prospects at the quarterback position, which is not as common typically unless you fully dominate and then you go in the first round. Joe Burrow comes to mind. Mm -hmm. So with Hooker, we'll center in on him here. Number one, really enjoyed watching him, really did. I think that he is a lot smarter than giving credit for. And what I mean by that is everybody goes, oh, but Tennessee's offense and it's one read. And yes, I understand that. But Hooker still sees things pre-snap and is an incredibly smart player in terms of handling the football. I mean, when you just dive in, so he's got the big body, six threes, 217. He is a sixth year senior. He obviously transferred from Virginia Tech. Um, he's got 10 and a half inch hands. He's got these massive Huge. hands that he controls the football with Mix. team captain, smart, tough. Uh, I mean, sure. He's 25. I think he's going to turn 26 during that rookie season. The mechanics and dropbacks to me are consistent and fluid with Hendon hooker. And that's experience. That's comfort. 
Uh, that's work ethic. I wrote, once again, tremendous care for the football, which is five interceptions on 631 pass attempts over the past two seasons. Yeah. I don't care what offense you're in, what planet you're playing on, and <laughs> hint, he played in the SEC, everybody. Right. That's right. incredible. That And it shows up on tape. And here's, here's the uh, deeper look. He went from nine turnover-worthy plays in 2021 to just four in 2022. So he's getting even better with the football I wrote, he drives the ball outside the numbers, but he needs to cut down on passes thrown high. Mm -hmm. Ball placement is put in an advantageous area for his receivers and away from DBs. A lot of air under deep balls, but extremely effective when he pushes the ball down the field. 30 of 68 on 20-plus yard throws with 13 touchdowns and one interception. All right, I just talked about a guy you think would is going number one overall besides the age. So let's get into where it's not all sunshine and rainbows for Hendon Hooker. Mm -hmm. He's got to get better under pressure. It's bad. And it's not, uh, it's not, you know, obviously undraftable. It's not day three bad. It's a fact though, that he was only pressured on 23.6% of his dropbacks. He completed only 51.2% of the passes. His uh, yards per attempt went down to 6.9. And here's the last one. He took 27 sacks. That is a lot of holding on to the football. And for somebody that he's an interesting athlete, right? I don't think he has incredible escapability in terms of quick twitch. But when he does get room to run wide out of the pocket, he's got long striding buildup speed. So he's not this quick, titch, quick, quick twitch escape artist. And I think when we talk about Bryce Young, that's in his game a little bit where it's shoulder dip, it's quick feet reset in the pocket with Hooker. It's a little bit longer, but when he gets going down the field, that's why he can break off these 20 plus yard runs because he's got long speed. And that brings me to the 566 rushing yards and five touchdowns in 2022. He also fumbled seven times, but I love that buildup speed. So with Hooker, your concerns are, of course, improving under pressure. The fact that he will turn 26 during the season next year and he's coming off the ACL but the guy has all the traits you could ask for at the position. And I think in the right mold, assuming health, he is going to be a starter at some point in the future. Hendon Hooker, I think, does get too much crap for the offense that he's in. Because for Jalen Hyatt being open and him throwing a deep ball to him. And, and that, <laughs> those, are, those are his words at the combine. Yeah. You know, there is something too. Look, Buddy's in an offense where Josh Heupel was in his bag the last two years. And these oh, yeah. guys are open, and he's hitting them. And I think that because you cannot just throw all of his good production and statistics out of the window because of that. But what does give me hesitancy with Hendon Hooker, and I'll explain where I have him, because I do have him number five, but okay. I'll tell you, he's a lot closer to Tanner McKee, who I have at six, than he is at Will Levis, who I have at four. Okay. Um, and the reason why is because when pressure ramped up, as you mentioned, when the throwing windows got tight, the ball placement started to escape him. And you could tell he just, he was not as naturally accurate with the football when things were not in structure. So I don't want to take away from the good that Hendon Hooker does. But when things become 
out of the structure, whether it was beyond the first read or whether the safety was coming downhill a little bit quicker than he thought or the pressure was in his face and he had to get rid of the ball a little bit sooner than timing or whatever it was, whenever that throwing window got smaller, I felt like you watched his effectiveness, which is what a lot of people are going to boast with Hendon Hooker. Yeah. You watch that effectiveness drop pretty significantly, at least in the th- in the four games that I was able to watch of him. So I think that that's something that's a major talking point of him for sure. Um, I thought the arm was pretty adequate is, is the way that I have it in my scouting report. I don't think it's anything that's going to be like a major liability, but he's certainly not pushing the ball like Stroud and like Levis and, and, um, and Anthony Richardson are. But um, I, I think that think that the arm strength is adequate. Dude, what was up with the 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 feet just going into quicksand at times? Do you uh, do, did yes. you catch on that? Why? I don't understand. Like he would hike the ball, and then all of a sudden his feet would plant. And there's there's guys like flying all around him, and he's just a statue, and he's staring at where he wants to go. Now some of that is rhythm, some of that is timing, where he's making sure that his foot's in the ground when he needs to release the football. And I understand that you still could be a lot lighter on your feet, and it wasn't an always thing with him but it did happen a lot more than i thought it was going to and so the footwork was a little odd the throwing motion and the release though beautiful he's got the big hands you can tell he's got a really good grip on the football it's got a tight spiral that's how it's allowed to go far deep down the field with that kind of high trajectory on it it's a really pretty pass when it comes off of his hand but yeah i mean when i when i look at hooker and and when i think of his evaluation i also had him in where's where's my tears here I had him in tier three, but I also have two other quarterbacks in tier three. Okay. And, and that's Tanner McKee and Aiden O'Connell actually is the other one who I have, who Aiden would be seven for me right now. Now within the tiers, I will say this, because we're going to get to this and I'm going to cl- have to clarify this again. Even though I kind of see them in the same bucket, I do have a clear one, two, three within the bucket. It's not just these guys are all in one tier, pick one. It doesn't matter. It's some of them are further along. Some of them are for certain systems. Some of them have different pros and cons, but ultimately I feel like the ceiling is somewhat similar for these quarterbacks. And, and when I looked at Hendon Hooker, I, I did, I, I just, I don't think I have the faith that he can be a consistent starter at the NFL level. And even if he gets the opportunity to become the starter, I wonder if he's not going to have a play style. That's always going to be like, but can we do better? Because you know how that happens with quarterbacks where... Oh, of course. You know, shoot, even we're talking about it with, with Geno Smith right now, right? Geno so Smith. That's who he... he that's his spe- like high-end spectrum to me. Okay, okay. When and I watch Hennon it- Hooker, I'm like... And I've watched a lot of Geno in my life. I scouted him from when he was at West Virginia. He was <laughs> right. drafted by the Jets. Right. He started to turn the corner with the Jets, and then he got punched in the jaw. And it took a long time after that. Not metaphorically either, folks. Not metaphorically. He, he got yeah, punched yeah, in the no, jaw. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, literally... He Hannon Hooker's best reminds me of Seattle Geno to a yeah. T. So and and that's kind of where I come back to with Hendon Hooker is Geno just had an awesome season. And they're still thinking about replacing him mm-hmm. when they got a higher draft pick. So that's what gives me a little bit of hesitation with loving Hooker as much as some other people have draft mock drafting him really high, whether it's, you know, Tannenbaum who had him in the top five, or um, I think DJ's had him in his first round as well. 
Um, the Vikings, which is yeah, not, that's Vikings. not that late. Like, and, no, and you and I have, have, have talked on this show and said, we feel like Hendon Hooker could be a back end of the first round pick. And I still agree with that. But remember, boards and rankings are done with our eyes. Mocks are done with our ears. So it's always going to be a little bit different there. The way that I see Hendon Hooker is, I see him as a short-term starter. I see him as a guy who can give you starter ability. Is he going to be a guy that you invest in? I didn't have enough faith outside of ideal situations and structure within that offense to tell me that that would be the case. So that is, that's the way I view him. I got him as QB five, but he is in that third tier along with Tanner McKee, along with Aiden O'Connell as those guys that are behind the top four guys. Yeah. I think it's funny how we get places, right? I don't know how we got to here with Hendon hooker. And when I say we, I don't mean you and I, Trevor, I mean the consensus that, you know, he's a first round quarterback and I feel the same way about number four for me and Will Levis that, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's the cost of doing business at the position. And if you have the traits to play, you're going to go in the first round. And with Levis and hooker, there are a lot of warts in their game that I would love them in the second round where I can develop them on my time where I don't have to put them in the spotlight right away where I can let things breathe for them and i don't know if hooker by nature is getting that because he's hurt right like that's mm-hmm. not that's not mm-hmm. a good thing that's not a good reason yeah so that it's tough it's really tough how the evaluation of quarterbacks is fascinating to me and I, i've missed plenty i've always said that but it's funny when you classify a guy like when jordan love was coming out right i had jordan love that year in the back end of the first round That's the only time I could think of. I looked at a guy and I was like, I love his tools. He needs time. Maybe he's had too much time. He needs time. (laughs) And if he goes to the back end of the first round, he'll be afforded that luxury of time. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what's happened to him. That doesn't Mm -hmm. happen to anyone else that you classify that way anymore. Ever. So, and it won't, honestly, it won't happen to Will Levis. I don't think, I don't think he's going to be given these like two years of, you know, probably not. And and probably not. Yeah. Right. Right. So I, I think, it, just to 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 kind of wrap it up with Hooker as, as we move on to Will Levis, I don't really care about the age. I'm going to be honest. Like, doesn't the, matter to me. The age comes into account if you're drafting him in the top ten. Yep. Where I think Hendon Hooker is going to get drafted, maybe end of the first round, certainly somewhere on day two. I don't really care about that. I'm going to be honest. I don't really care about the age because some guys are just late bloomers. Like, would you rather have a player be good when they're young? Yes, that's why those guys declare early and they get drafted early because normally their talent is standing out at a young age. So I don't really care about the the, the age. I don't really care about the injury either, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, I, I, I think that what really is the reason why I've got him at number five and the opinion that I have on Hedden Hooker is simply because when he was healthy and when he was in his best situation, there were still things about his game that as a was he a fifth year quarterback sixth year quarterback whatever it was i was like this feels like who you are if this is if tennessee is like your best case scenario your best situation where we saw the best of you and i still see some things that give me a little bit of hesitation that's what makes me feel like at best he's gonna be a short-term starter short-term starter in the nfl a guy that you're probably gonna look to upgrade um as years go on and but at absolutely a preferred high-end backup at the very least in this league which is really valuable. I can't say it enough. It really like for, a, yeah, sure. A high end backup these days is worth a second round pick. And you because- you just you just gotta eva- evaluate it 
properly, right? Call it what it is. Yeah, don't use, you know, uh, hyperbole to extend that. All right, so let's get into Will Levis. Okay. And I, I really want you to start with this one because I, I wrote a book on Hendon Hooker on mine, and I don't want to just take the floor every time. But I will I will just say before you go, um, I had Levis in Tier 3. I have Hendon Hooker in Tier 3. Levis, to me, is a top-of-second-round pick that will be taken in the top 10. Okay, so... I have Levis in tier two with Anthony Richardson, but I, like I said before, I clearly have Anthony Richardson above Will Levis, even within yeah. this tier. Tier two A. <laughs> I get right. I guess I could have, if you want to take tiers literally, I guess I could have gone the first two guys in the first bucket, uh, Richardson in his own tier, Will yeah. Levis in his own tier, and then we go further. Maybe I could have done that, but hey, I you gave, still can. You know what the beauty of it is? I still can't. But you still can. The reason why I put them both in tier two is because I gave them the same tag, and that is developmental starter. I feel like both uh, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis can be developmental starters in the league. Probably going to need a little bit of time, going to need those reps, going to take some lumps, if you will, have some struggles. But I feel like they are going to be developmental starters and eventually be starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Again, I take Richardson above Levis, which we'll get to in a second, but... That is how I have them, and that's where the tiers are for them. Levis, not breaking any news here. Elite arm. I mean, he has some plays that are just stupid, the way that he is able to attack deep down the field. But more importantly than that, the velocity, man. How he oh, yeah. can fit that ball in between zone coverages when he gets – Man, when he can anticipate even better than what he is right now, I feel like that is going to be a major asset because he has the arm to be able to attack, attack vertically against man and to really hit tight windows when it comes to zone. So that's why when we talk about a high ceiling of a quarterback and arm talent, that's what you're looking for, a guy who can really attack both of those different coverage schemes like that. I want to say this about Levis too. His supporting cast sucked. I mean, was terrible that offensive line was abysmal not even close to even what it was last year he had no running game to lean on his wide receivers were dropping passes left and right every single week i mean outside of maybe tanner mckee who i know i'll get to at the end of the episode a little bit more i don't know if any quarterback draftable that we're talking about in this conversation had a worse supporting cast there's no way Levis could have even improved this past Aiden year. O'Connell, but I know we might not get all the way there. Okay, but that's, yeah, but- <laughs> that's fair. That's fair, too. But I, when I look at Levis and when people look at this past year and go, how are we talking about this guy as a first-round pick? You have to, you have to remember that football is still a team game. Oh, right, yeah. like you still need the help of your teammates, and there are times when Lil Levis is able, his ability is able to stand out. But there are other times when one, it doesn't allow him to stand out. Two, it doesn't allow him to improve. It wasn't even the players around him either. I thought the offensive play designs were crappy this past year. I I felt yep. like he was looking in certain directions for his first read, and you got wide receivers running routes that are not complementing each other that are making the throwing windows even tighter instead of trying to make them more open. And I'm like, what is this guy going to do? So because of that, the way that I look at Levis is a player with high end tools, like you mentioned, who I think can attack all different areas of the field against different coverages, but there is no doubt about it. 
he is still raw in his anticipation, in how he sees the field, in how he goes through his progressions, and in his decision-making, because quite frankly, he's basically only had one year where he's had the team around him to be able to do that, and that was last season, the one where the production, the stats, the efficiency was a lot better. And I don't say this to make excuses for him. I say it to give you context for what we see out of Will Levis right now. The biggest area of concern that I genuinely have for Levis going into the NFL is that his arm can get him out of a lot of trouble. He thinks his arm can get him out of everything. And there are a handful of throws where he attempted them. And honestly, the, the miles per hour on the ball are coming so high, so fast that when they hit the defender's hands, they had no chance of catching that thing. And I went, okay, there's a turnover worthy play. Maybe that's different in the NFL, but Maybe, it's one of those- but sometimes not. And sometimes not when you get guys who have absolute cannons attached to their shoulders, but he, he, he believes that his arm can get him out of a lot of trouble. Now. I also wonder how much of that was frustration, right? Because how long can you go through a season and just tuck the ball or throw it away or check it down? Cause your receivers are getting open. Cause your offensive line is not blocking for you. Cause the play design is not right before you just go, Damn it, I'm loading up. Gotta like, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you gotta make a play. Yeah. I'm going, right, I'm going to make a play. So that's the way that I view Will Levis. Incredible tools, but definitely a guy who, not a cliche to say, needs some time. He's going to need some time to figure it out. He's going to need some time to acclimate to having better players around him, a better supporting cast. That'll help him manage the pocket better. That'll help the internal clock in his head. That'll help the timing. Um, That'll help the decision-making of when to tuck it, when to throw it, all that good stuff. So I think it's in the cards for him. I recognize it's a little bit of a ways away, but this is still, because of the talent, a player that you'd bet on. And I got a late first, early second round grade on him. That's kind of the range that I'm at with Will Levis. Yeah, I, I think we see eye to eye on a lot of things with him. I, I do worry about the correctability of some of those things. Um, I'll throw in a, a couple couple more things. I wrote to just throwing motions tight, snappy. Ooh, yeah. uh, I, I like his leg drive on sneaks and short yardage runs. This dude has a lot of lower body explos- explosiveness. Yes. He had a 124 inch broad jump. I mean, put that in perspective for quarterbacks, that's a 95th percentile testing metric, and that's at 6'4", 230. So if Anthony Richardson... Ooh, can almost host the pod. Can almost host the pod. Not quite. Sorry, Will Levis. Honorary. Uh, we, we like guest host, you know? Yeah, yeah. One we of us goes host. on vacation, and we could squeeze him in. Next guy we're talking about can host the pod full-time, but we'll get uh, yeah. He might run the podcast soon enough. <laughs> the thing with me, Trevor, that was interesting... Uh, I wrote an arm that could drive throws to the sidelines, but just didn't challenge intermediate outside the numbers range. He was five of 12 for 76 yards outside the numbers. And in the middle of the field, in that same range, he was 29 of 45. So like, and I'm not blaming Will Levis for that. I'm saying, how do you not structure more attempts? The guy's got a howitzer throw outside the numbers. And maybe they didn't trust the guys running the routes, the protection. I don't know. But it's it's annoying. It's very frustrating. And when you try to dive into reasons why a guy can be much better at the next level, those are the little things you find. No fear of hanging in the pocket and getting lit up. He just doesn't care. No, he, he he's doesn't. Dude's tough as nails, man. He is one of the tougher players you'll watch in this draft. Uh, I agree with you on the velocity for the tight window. I thought the middle of the field throws surprisingly did lack consistent accuracy. And I don't really. It's funny. I don't know if it's accuracy because you look at his mechanics and everything seems to be pretty good. 
it seems like timing. It, like he's correct. a sec, right? Correct. Like it's a second late, and you're like, you knew where to throw the ball. You did throw the ball where, but you're just a second late on that guy breaking. I don't know. And again, this is the this is the time will tell with Will Levis conversation because I don't know if he didn't trust his receivers and that's on them or if he didn't trust the timing with his receivers and that's on him. I, I yes. don't know because I agree with you. That is sometimes like I'm thinking of a lot of the over the middle passes where it's just a little bit behind him and, yep. and you go, all right, well, you're not really throwing the ball incorrectly. You're just a little bit late. So who's on? Who's that on? Is it on you? Is it on the wide receiver? Is it a combination of both? How fixable is it? That's why Will Levis is so fascinating. He is. And to counter to counter two things I just said, right? I said that his timing seems off on the midfield throws between the 20s. His timing on the rub routes they ran in the red zone was on the money. And if you could time that up, I, I'm confused. Like that, that's where the stakes are a little higher. So that was really weird. Um, I did say I like his mechanics in terms of his throwing motion, how tight and snappy it is. There are a lot of, when he misses in the short intermediate, his feet are not tied to his shoulders and eyes, like just totally different directions at times. And that's the accuracy issues. And the glass half full is, well, if you clean that up, he is accurate. But if he doesn't consistently fix that mechanical issue in his base, that's why he will continue to be inaccurate. So you got to really throw believe a star in from the feet, baby. Yeah, Good throw a, star from it's all on your feet. base. It's all in your base. I wrote he was pressured. Remember I said last time Henton Hooker was pressured on like 23% or whatever it was. Levis was pressured on 38% of his drawbacks. <laughs> I mean, and he only completed 52.4% of his passes on those 127 plays. That that's too high. That is really, really high. Um, I, I do he, fall in the line of quarterbacks sometimes create their own pressure, but with him, no, a lot of times he's just there's a free rusher just coming to clothesline him from hell. So I'm I, I have this up right now on pressure dropbacks. Um, Will Levis had 127. I think if I'm I, I think if yep, I have all the correct it. tabs here, he's got 127 dropbacks in which he was pressured. Correct. The only players with more were Tanner McKee, Max Duggan, Anthony Richardson, a little bit more than that. Will Levis had a grade under pressure of 58.1, a passing grade under pressure. Only quarterback higher was Bryce Young. Yeah, it's not that's by the way, people, that's not bad. Yeah. No, 58.1 is really good. Like, I mean, we're talking that's... about uh Tanner McKee was 49.4, CJ Stroud was 46.2, Max Duggan 46.2, Hendon Hooker 42.1, Anthony Richardson 41.2. Like when you talk about getting pressured as a collegiate quarterback, you're probably talking about something in the forties and yep. Will Levis was at 58.1, which is pretty impressive. And and was, like I said, only behind Bryce Young. So he, we talked about, you talked about the drops. He had 15 passes dropped in 2022. I made the joke about Aiden O'Connell because he had 22 passes dropped this year, which is just hilarious. Le Levis 15 is a lot. It, that's a real lot on the flip side for all that arm talent. He, we had him with seven big time throws this year. That's really disappointing in my mm -hmm. eyes and yeah th that number would be higher if he was kept clean and given a chance and but big time throws for, for people not uh familiar with our the pff metric like they don't have to catch the ball for it to be a big time throw so right. you can't really fully blame the pass catching supporting cast on that that is levis so he's interesting man he yeah. is he 
He's got the tools. Uh, I, he really reminded me of North Dakota State Carson Wentz. Like he really did. And I, I there was a lot of promise with Wentz coming out. And Wentz had some he big time. Overall. Yeah, like everybody loved Wentz. I, I see a very similar prospect. And it's a matter of how he takes his development and how the structure of where he goes develops him. And uh, and that's that in itself is a, is a pretty big gamble. But somebody's going to take it, I think, in the top 12 picks still. Wanted to make sure I clarified myself. Bryce Young also had more dropbacks under pressure than Will Levis did. And Bryce Young had a 70.8 passing grade under pressure. He's insane. That, folks, that is stupid. And ultimately, something that we're going to get to later on in this podcast. Maybe we right, should Connor. go number one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, number three? Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right, so this is Anthony Richardson. Duh, I know it is for you too. You said it. Uh, he's in a tier of his own for me, tier two, and also okay. tier of being Godzilla or an alien or whatever it is. I mean, obviously a fascinating player and maybe a player that as the draft media has gone maybe too far one way with because there are still things to clean up. But there's just not a lot of guys that are 6'4", 244, that run 4'4", that jump over 40 inches. Everybody knows all of that. He's 20 years old. I mean, the closest thing I can come up with, Trevor, is, you know, Wyoming, Josh Allen. I, I don't... Like, it's, it's really hard to draw up a comparison to Anthony Richardson that you feel so confident is, uh, you know, spot on. Mm -hmm. But I think that development arc will have to be the same for him. He finished 2022 with 17 passing touchdowns, nine interceptions. He had 19 big-time throws. Keep in mind, Levis had seven. Richardson had 19. He only completed 53% of his passes. 14 of his passes were dropped. Over 700 rushing yards and nine rushing touchdowns. He'll be 20 years old on draft night. Huge frame, power arm without limitations. Extremely tough to bring down when scrambling to extend passing plays can often fall forward on designed runs. Extremely comfortable throwing intermediate range of 10 to 19 yards where in 2022 he was 53 for 87 and averaged over 10 yards per attempt. Mm -hmm. Guys, people win in the NFL at the quarterback position from consistently hitting the 10 to 19 yard throws. You love the deep ball. You love the highlights. You love the ball security in the short range. If you can carve a team up in the 10 to 19, you're in a really good place. And Richardson is already there. 93.1 passing grade per PFF when throwing deep, 20 plus yards. Finished the season 26 for 64 with a 15.6 YPA. Nine touchdowns and only two interceptions in that range. Immense struggles on short throws. 58% completion rate on 88 attempts, four touchdowns, five interceptions. I, I, It's bizarre. It's really bizarre. The good news is that's the easiest thing to get better at. Mm -hmm. The bad news is you can't survive as a starter over a 17-plus game season by being that inconsistent in the short area throws. You will kill drives by doing that. So that that is the wild runaround on Anthony Richardson. I put his delivery on those short throws lacks consistency. Yeah. Like when he has the deeper stuff, Trevor, it's like, all right, I'm setting up and like, this is who I am. Like yeah. I'm an RPG on right. my shoulder and it's good. And it's, I shouldn't say RPG. It's a lock on bazooka, mm -hmm. but the short stuff, it's like, yeah, we're just out here. Like, and it's like, no lock in the same way. And you'll be a, almost not a perfect quarterback, but even better he gets fixated on one route sometimes. He'll stare too long. Uh, when he misses high, he doesn't set his base. Just me mechanic rep after rep. And here's the thing, guys. 
he has not played a lot of football in college. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason that there's not the same consistent. He's not six years like Hendon Hooker. He's not this multi-year starter like all of these guys. Um, and the last thing I wrote is he's not just a power thrower. He dropped it in the bucket plenty of times, but he just needs to find consistency there. So I, I am, there's no way of saying you're risk averse at quarterback because in this world you have to be, but I definitely am a doubter at quarterback more often than not. And it's bitten me. I was too low on Josh Allen. I was too low on Justin Herbert. I'm betting on this guy. I really am. Like, it's just the, the floor is high because of the running. Mm-hmm. But the floor is not as low as a thrower as people think. It's really not. And I would take him in the top three and be really excited about it. I was so close to putting him in tier one. And, it, and the way I talked about it, you think he would be, but it, I, the tier I one was, guys will get, they're just so good. I originally, I, I think... Two days ago, before I really kind of went over the list and wanted to comb things out and kind of organize it, I had him in tier one with with the other two quarterbacks that we're going to talk about. The tempting thing about Anthony Richardson are that his struggles are all correctable. They really are. All the shit that you can't teach these quarterbacks to play at the highest level, he has. The rushing ability, the break, the broken tackles. Dude, he had a, he had a .40 missed tackles force rate. Nuts. The long runs, the short runs, the ability to extend plays, the the um, understanding of when to slide, when to not. I mean, even that, it's not perfect, but it's more advanced than you would think for uh, him only being a one-year starter. He is so incredibly talented. And I'll tell you this too. Uh, there are a lot of, uh, yes, the accuracy needs work. I'm not, I'm again, not forgiving that. I'm not saying that it, he's totally fine. He's going to be good to go. It's not an issue. Florida's wide receivers were not good last year. And I, I think a lot of the glaring, easy throws that you would see people post clips of are like, for example, like a three-step drop into a quick slant. And I watched, even just in the five games that I watched of him, that happened three times. All three times that was on the wide receiver. But people, I, I don't think people would realize that. Instead, they yep. just go, wow, he missed a like he misses slant. That's not good. You got to realize like slant routes are timing routes. He hikes the ball. He has a three step drop. That third foot's in the ground. That ball's coming out. And either the wide receiver is where they need to be, or that ball's going to go incomplete. And we're going to live the fight another day, whatever. We're just going to go on to the next play. And all three times his wide receivers, I watched this, did not get off press quick enough and did not hit the slant. I've seen it with my eyes on on, on, <laughs> on at the timing that they needed to. I've watched these plays, and yet Richardson, most of the time, would get blamed for that because they just go, "Oh man, how'd you miss that one? That was an easy one." All of those things, I think, are correctable. His throwing motion's weird. It's a little bit loopy at times. Like sometimes it could be it could be high. It could be a super. It could be super quick. It could be snappy. You could love the um. You could love the drop back. You could love the footwork. A lot of times it does line up. But there are other times when sometimes he'll loop the ball a little bit more than he needs to. And another thing is that he sidearms it a little too much for my taste. He shouldn't. Yeah. And instead of that ball coming straight over and you following through with the thumb in the opposite pocket right across your chest, he follows through, but that ball's getting released almost like out further by like past where the shoulder, much past where the shoulder is. And I think that's where you see the accuracy issues because 
when he's got to put his foot in the ground and put pace on the ball, like you said, he's more comfortable with it with this throwing motion. But when he's got to take some off of it, that's when the inconsistency of that motion shows up because it's too inaccurate. It's not going where it needs to. It's not leading the guy where he needs to go. Sometimes he's trying to force it in a tight window or get a quick throw off and the defender gets it. But I think we got to clean up the throw in motion a little bit. I think it's got to be a little bit higher, a little bit closer towards the shoulder, less loopy, less of a sidearm motion. But when you do that, I think that he's got the ability to figure it out. The rest of the fundamentals are there for him. So, you know, everybody out there, we don't need to highlight the high, the the ceiling of him and the highs, the talent, because everybody has seen it. It's been well talked about. But the concerns about him come with the accuracy and the consistency. And I think all those things are justifiable. And there's reason to believe that this dude's going to be incredible at the NFL level. Might take a little bit of time. And like we talked about before on this podcast, when you start young quarterbacks and need some time to develop, it's about two things, two things make or break these guys that have all the talent in the world to make it. Not developing bad habits when you start to struggle and not getting your confidence broken. Those two things. That is why Josh Allen succeeded. That is why a wildly inconsistent quarterback that came out of Wyoming was able to make it where we are now, where this guy's an MVP candidate and has Buffalo on a Super Bowl trajectory and a Super Bowl potential every single year. Because in the two years that he struggled in the NFL, one, they let him, right? They weren't like, ah, you know, uh, we're going to we're gonna yank this guy, get a different quarterback in here. They let him struggle, but they didn't allow him to develop some really bad habits and they didn't let his confidence get broken. That's why Josh Allen made it. If you give Anthony Richardson that kind of environment, I think that he can even start year one in some situations and it can work out, even though I would love for him to sit behind a veteran. I think that that's a great route as well. So those are my overall thoughts on Anthony Richardson. I was very close, like I said, to having him in tier one. This is a quarterback that you draft in the top 10. Yeah, I mean, I still have him as my 13th overall player. So... I'm with, and you factor in the quarterback scale, like, absolutely. Absolutely. And it just, it goes down development, player development, and maybe just him getting to watch a pro operate yeah, sure. in practice or whatever it may be. It can make him a totally different player in another year because he's so young. Oh, I, I wanted to say, I wanted to say these two things too. Um, one, for as good if he is, as a, as good as he is as a rusher, he does not have a first read and bail nearly as much as you thought that you think that he would. He is yes. genuinely going through progressions for as long as he feels like he can before he really extends that play. With he can run more. He, he could. He could. He could and, run more. And people would say, look at his rushing ability and be like, you should run more. But I'm saying he, he's. it's not this crutch for him. You're not like trying no. to fix that bad habit of like, oh, one read, then I'm going to tuck it. That's not where Anthony Richardson is. So don't think that about him at all. And then the last thing that I want to say before we can move on, Connor, I really like to watch guys um, in succession. I like to watch the early games in the season, go to a mid game in the season, end of the season, because you can physically see guys get better if they're getting better or get worse if they're getting worse or not getting any better if they're not getting any better. But you never know unless you really watch these games in order. So don't always just pick the, oh, I wanted to see him against, you know, the best competition and they played this team week eight. I would encourage you to go watch an early game first before you watch that game because of the turnover-worthy plays that Anthony Richardson had, nine of his 13 turnover-worthy plays came within weeks one to six. From week seven on, he only had 
four turnover worthy plays. And I believe that's either six or seven games. That is a sign of progression. A lot of those bad, really bad looking turnover worthy plays happen in the first six weeks of him being a starter at the college football level. And from week seven on, he only had four turnover worthy plays against some pretty dang good opponents. So it's a great point. It was something that headlined my notes is just how much better he got as the season went on. And that's highly, highly encouraging to any evaluator in that space. So do you have Stroud number two? I do have Stroud number two. All right. So you kick off number two with Stroud because I kicked off Richardson and then I'll kind of snake draft with my thoughts on Stroud and then go to go to I'll kick off number one. All right. Uh, Stroud's Stroud's a fun watch, man. And I'm glad that we ended the Anthony Richardson conversation talking about progression throughout a year, because I think that fully encapsulates what I believe about CJ Stroud at this point in time. Last year, I'm not going to lie, thought he was just another, hate to say it, Ohio State quarterback, right? Great offensive line in front of him, talented running backs to hand the ball off to, phenomenal wide receivers to throw the ball to. Of course, you have good stats, right? Last yeah, year, that's, those. <laughs> that's, and that, but that's what I thought about CJ Stroud last year because when pressure got in his face last year, he crumbled. And that was his first year as a starter, but I was like, man, this guy didn't have it. You can rattle him so easily. At the beginning of this year, I watched that Notre Dame game on purpose. And he was the same guy. You watch that Notre Dame game and CJ Stroud is missing five to 10 yard throws, easy throws because they're flushing him out of the pocket. They're getting him off of his comfort position. And you can, you can like physically see he's like tense. Like his whole body is tense when he's trying to throw the ball. And then he's trying to force it to a certain spot and it's either hitting the dirt or it's not even close to where the receiver needs to catch the ball. And you just see him get really stressed when he got pressure. And I was like, man, this is what I feel like CJ Stroud is. You watch the middle of the year. Okay, a little bit less of that. And then I specifically went and watched not just the Georgia game, but I watched the Michigan game before the Georgia game. He's a different quarterback. He is somebody who understands how to stay calm, collected, and confident under pressure. And Connor, those were in two games that they lost And I was the most impressed with C.J. Stroud in those games against the best competition in losing efforts because I felt like he was somebody who, when pressure mounted before, I didn't think that he was somebody that you could lean on and count on. Now I do. Or at least now I have faith that that's in the cards for him. It might be a little bit more of a a, a learning process once again once you get to the pros because it's a totally different skill level. But I've got faith that this guy can be somebody that you count on when your back is against the wall and in non-ideal circumstances. He's got the frame, he's got the size, and he's got a good arm. It's not elite like Richardson and Levis, but it's a good arm. I think he can really drive it to the sideline, hit those comebacks, hit those back shoulders. He can obviously stretch the field as well. He can hit in that very, um, very important 10 to 19 intermediate range. And that's kind of the way that I see him. And because of that, I think that he has a really high ceiling going into the NFL. I think he could be a really consistent quarterback and a good starter for a long time. I've got a year one starter label on him because of how encouraged I was of what I saw at the end of the year. Could that be fool's gold? Maybe it is. And that's why I'm talking to you guys right now about the context of Stroud. Maybe those two games just happen to be two really good games and he reverts a little bit when he gets to the NFL. But if what we saw at the end of 2022 is where the starting point is for Stroud, and he will build on that, I'm telling you, you're going to get a really good quarterback at the next level. So that's how I viewed him. 
I'm a eye to eye with you. This was my number one quarterback coming out of summer, and somehow he he only lost some ground. But it's not really because of anything he did, because I do think he got better this year. It's just number one was so special uh, in everything that he does. So, I mean, here's the thing with Stroud, Trevor. He is just such a good rhythm thrower. Uh, everything is very polished. He's excellent in the pocket. He is very aware that he needs to threaten with his legs more. I do think he obviously, duh, lacks the upside of Richardson because Richardson's dynamic rushing threat is just so special. But with Stroud, I don't think Richardson will ever become the natural thrower to every single layer of the field that Stroud is. And that's why he was a no-brainer number two for me and a guy that I have. Let me pull up my overall rankings right now where he sits. He sits as my eighth overall player. And honestly, I I mean, he could really be in the top five when all is said and done. I just I've been messing a little bit with that top 10, but trying not to move it too much. You do have to protect him. Like what I'll say with Stroud is I don't want to lean one way too far because of the Georgia game. I think it's a huge right. step. Right. But you're right. Like you package the entire season sample size and go, there are still times that you would like to see him react better under pressure, which we'll get to the next guy on that. And that's that's the gap here, right? In, in mm -hmm. my opinion, that's the gap. But for Stroud, he continues to grow. He's just such an impressive thrower. He operates so confidently from the pocket. There's a little bit more meat on the bone for him as a runner and as a playmaker, although I, I never think that'll be a you know, top five in the NFL aspect of his game, probably not even top 10 aspect of his game when you look at the rest of the league. But you put him in an offense that's structured on timing, that has no limitations on the throws you're asked to make. You give him just moderate to, a, you know, solid pass protection. This guy is a really high floor, like you said. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Stroud does, whether he's the number one overall pick or the number two overall pick. I don't really see him going anywhere beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, he's just he's I mean, he's a he's he's a fantastic quarterback. He really is. He brings you so much of what you would want from the passing game. The mechanics are beautiful, the footwork all the way through the shoulders. I mean, he you could tell that he's worked very, very hard on that, but also that it just comes very natural to him. Like mm -hmm. he is he is truly he looks like a natural passer in that regard. We saw it at the combine, right? When he felt like he didn't even miss a single throw going in a new environment. Um, I know it was shorts and his shorts and a shirt, but new wide receivers, new everything, and it felt like that ball was still going exactly where it needed to, and that's a testament to um Things changing around him, but his fundamentals not changing. And that's how you can put the ball exactly where you want to put it, no matter what stadium, no matter what you're wearing, no matter who you're throwing it to, all that good stuff. So CJ Stroud, just a really, to me, uh, a, a steady prospect who, if we're building off of what we saw last year, can be a really good start in the NFL. If he reverts, then unfortunately, that's a make or break trade, right? For some quarterbacks, for some quarterbacks, the areas of concern for them aren't nearly as make or break. If you can't perform the way you need to under pressure, not only are you going to fail when your team needs you most, it's going to mentally mess you up. And and then like even when things are clean, even when things are good, even when things are in rhythm, you might mess yourself up. You might psych yourself out. So it's all between the years for Stroud. You know, if he continues to be calm, cool, and collected, confident, He's going to be a really damn good quarterback in the NFL. But yep, we don't have those questions about the next guy that we're going to talk he, about. 
So what I'll say with Stroud, I, I feel like I, I somehow am sounding low on Stroud, and that's so hard to do. I think the next guy and the previous guy can rise above environments almost no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I won't say that about Stroud. And that's not, you can say this about most quarterbacks. Like if he's in a bad environment, whether the pass pro is bad, the wide receivers aren't very good, the structure of the offense isn't called right, he will go down with it. While the other two, I think, can overcome it, which is pretty crazy to say. But he's just such a more consistent, natural thrower than Richardson that I was not going to put Richardson above him. Um, I just didn't think that was fair. And that gets me to number one. And I, I don't even know if this is consensus or popular anymore. It seems the betting favorite is not this player to go number one overall. I mean, what is there to say about Bryce Young outside of the fact about his body type? And we'll get there. I'll conclude with that because it's very fair. I understand this is a grown man's league that guys get hurt a lot. I, mm-hmm. I really, I really do get it. But as a player, Trevor, the timing, the twitchy body, the accuracy, what's in between the ears, the deep ball. These receivers, they're watching the Mona Lisa come their way when it's a deep ball. It's beautiful. It's beautiful the way this guy can drop it in. He knows how to change the degree of the throw, whether he needs more air under it or he needs just a, you know, a more tighter throw, a tighter, lower throw. I think he understands zones in front of him pre-snap and post-snap better than most quarterbacks I've evaluated. Like, I I look at Burrow. I don't know, man. He's not not the physical talent Trevor Lawrence was, but he has a better understanding of the field than Trevor Lawrence did coming out. Lawrence is so physically gifted that it didn't matter and he's going to be great. Correct. But Bryce Young... What he sees and how he distributes down by down, it, the only guy above him that I've scouted, I think, is Burrow off the top of my head. It's unbelievable. And you look at the size. The size does nothing to impact him as a player in terms of impacting his game and inabilities to affect a game. When he does get hit, it's kind of like watching a lightweight fly around. I will say that. Like, it's... I don't even like when a bigger wrestler can just military press Ray Mysterio, like sure. something like that. Great like reference. when Bryce Young gets Great reference. Like Ray Mysterio, a... Ray Mysterio is actually my comp. Uh, for, that I, I like that. No, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. But it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like there's times where a pass rusher gets one arm on the Jersey and he just goes flying. Sure. And it's like, yeah, right. that it's, he's going to take some big shots in the NFL. And I'm just mm-hmm. going to sit there and, and be like, Oh, please be okay. Because you are so, so good. And I think, this era of football will protect him a little bit more from shots that like in the nineties, I don't know if Bryce young plays more than five years in today's game. He could have a long, long, healthy career. He now I will say this too. He's a twitchier guy. He knows how to operate and reset in these little crevices mm-hmm. and get back to being a thrower. Yeah. Really quickly. Sure. Yeah. So I love the player. Um, outside of the body type, there is just no way he doesn't succeed. There's no way. There's no way. I think that he can throw with a to a bottom eight receiving core and still be fine. Like that's oh, how Alabama's wasn't good this past year. So there you go. I mean, there you go. And we didn't even get. I'll let you do a lot of the you know the more the numbers side of it. But the, every number that we have on him, like 
I, I don't know what more you want. And if the size is not for you, and some teams will not draft Bryce Young or wouldn't draft Bryce Young because of the size, mm-hmm. I get it. I don't fall into line with that because I think he just has way too much talent mentally and physically. I'll list off some of the numbers. I think it's a good transition. Passing grade, 91.3. He's in an elite passing grade in each of the last two seasons. Obviously, he was the Heisman winner of the year before in his first year as a starter for Alabama. Passing grade under pressure. We already mentioned it, 70.6. Stupid. Stupid. Aiden O'Connell's regular of passing own. grade was 70.2. And Bryce Young, under pressure alone, was a 70.6. Truly in a league Nuts. of his own. Passing Nuts. yards, over 3,000 passing yards this past season, 3,400 yards. 32 passing touchdowns, 23 big-time throws, five interceptions, nine turnover-worthy plays, had an adjusted completion percentage of over 75, which is good. So we want to shoot for 75.8. Air yard percentage. So that's obviously talking about how many, what percent of his total yards were through the air as opposed to yards after the catch. 57%, which is a nice number. You want over 50. Um, rushing yards, he only had 311. Rushing touchdowns, four. Uh, missed tackles, force per attempt uh, at, at 0.18. I'm going to read off some of his weaknesses that I have here because we gush about him enough and understandably so. And then I'll end kind of with his strengths and and where I see him as number one here on this list. Has decent mobility, but against NFL athletes, it won't be something that he can consistently lean on when extending plays all the way to the sideline or for scrambling for a lot of yards. Throwing platform is naturally open in his hips. It's not the worst thing, but it does point out it feels like a lack of natural muscle mass for arm strength. He's putting more of his whole body into throws. That's why his hips get so open, so he can create some more torque on those passes. Spiral isn't as tight as it is for other quarterbacks with more arm strength and bigger hands. Tends to wobble a little bit, but it won't. And and because of that, you kind of get the narrative, okay, if you're in a super cold environment, super windy environment, an outdoor game, he doesn't have the arm that's going to rip through conditions. But, sure. you know, you just take that into account. It's not going to be every game, certainly, even for a team that's outdoors that might draft him. Arm strength is adequate when he can step into throws, but when he really can't step into throws, you do see that drop off in velocity, consistency throwing off the back foot sometimes when he's retreating into a pocket. I think that might be just because he doesn't want to step up nearly as much. Uh, maybe he believes in his ability to escape and see the field a little bit more as opposed to stepping up through pocket when he gets pressure around the edges. Might get him in trouble in the NFL. Overall, arm strength is good for his size, but the quote for his size does come into play when you're evaluating. Positives, basically everything else. Smaller yeah. in stature, but he has but he has really nice velocity on short to intermediate throws. Way better than I thought for a player of his size, for sure, especially when he could step into throws. When plays break down, he is a natural backyard football type of playmaker. He is the number one overall pick at recess, if you will. If you're drafting Bryce Young in a lineup of people at recess, you know you're winning the football game because of how good he is when it comes to those out-of-structure plays. Always light on his feet, ready to move and throw off on, on platform. Natural ball placement is extremely impressive when there is pressure in his face. Throws over the middle, much more confident and consistent than you would think of a sub-six-foot quarterback. Incredibly poised, not just in pressure, but in the biggest moments. Bryce Young is awesome. My player comp for him, you said the name already, it's Joe Burrow. That's the player. Say that Ray I, Mysterio? <laughs> no, no Ray, it's Ray Mysterio. That is the player that I continually think about because when I'm I think you, of how I read a Bryce Young scouting report, it basically goes, yeah, the hands are a little bit small. Yeah, he's a little bit smaller in size. No, he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. Everything else is incredible. 
You love how he sees the and and here's this is why Burrow Burrow is a great example of this because Burrow didn't get to the NFL and all of a sudden his arm got way stronger. But what Burrow did at LSU that made him historic that allowed him to have similar incredible success at the NFL level is he anticipates so well. He reads defenses so well, and and that's the thing with Young. He doesn't have the arm that can get him out of trouble in a split second like it might be able to for Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Like if those guys are going from read two to read three or read one to read two, and they're just like a fraction of a second late, they still have the arm talent to be able to wind it up and throw it in there. And even if they're a little bit behind the wide receiver, they can still put it in that area. Rice doesn't have that luxury but he rarely ever has to use it because he sees the field and he anticipates things so well. And that's what Burrow does as well. Burrow doesn't put himself in those situations where he's reading something too late. He's already reading it about as well as you can so consistently. That's why to me, Bryce Young's the number one overall quarterback in this class, because I can't sit here and tell you, that the most make-or-break important trait for a quarterback is between the ears and not have number one overall, the guy who is the best offensive player in college football over the last two years, the most clutch player in college football over the last two years, and a guy who plays under pressure better than basically any quarterback that I've seen over the last five years outside of Burrow. I cannot boast those things as on my – this is how I scout quarterbacks and not have this guy as my number one QB. So – so he's at the top of the list. Well said. I mean, Bryce Young is obviously the show's number one quarterback. And, you know, if you've been listening to the show for a long time or if you haven't, like we did a summer quarterback rankings episode and this was all there. I mean, it was all there and it just continues to get even better yep. in our opinion. So there it is. The uh, should we read the top fives and then get into a little bit of the outside guys? Yeah, we got Hand Hooker at five, the same ones, so. Will Levis at four, Anthony Richardson three, CJ Stroud two, Surprise. and Bryce Young at number one. Anybody else that you want to shout out that's uh, not on the top five? Yeah, so I'm still kind of playing around with my six plus, you know, right, we'll see how far I go. I, I feel pretty confident Tanner McKee is going to just stay at that six spot unless somebody blew me away. I watched a lot of Aiden O'Connell. Um, fascinating watch for me. I watched a lot of Dorian Thompson Robinson. Ooh, okay. So, What'd you think of him? I'll talk about him a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, That's good. He's interesting because he's the rare five-year starter at one program. Like, he went to UCLA for Chip Kelly, and he's just right. held it down right. since. Yeah. And he's a really, love really good kind of loyalty, by the way. You love he, that kind ab- of loyalty. Absolutely. A, he's got some Tyler Huntley to his game. They are they are just about the same size. Uh, with Dorian Thompson Robinson, I wrote. I'll just give the rundown here. I wrote five year starter for UCLA with legit mobility for the position. Difficult to defend on quarterback options. Has enough juice to threaten the edge. We're willing to cut it up field. Very active feet with quick twitch shoulder dip as well that can allow him to reset when his, his base when he chooses to. Excellent escapability. There's an edge to his game. I clipped out three plays where he like is legit a lead blocker, like legitimately like out in front looking to kill someone. And he kind of bounces <laughs> off people, but it's effective. Like, uh, like and, NFL street, like the quarterback becomes a blocker yes. at some point. <laughs> yes. I think he must've played NFL street growing up. 
And there was another run he had against USC where he loved to lower his shoulder against USC. And like, he went right over to their sideline and, and like went off. And I'm like, this dude plays with an edge that mm-hmm. I really, really like um, his delivery. He brings the ball down to like his hip or like almost his like right butt cheek. And it's like, it's, it's just too low. It has to be fixed. I think there, I need to go watch his combine workout again. Cause he threw and he threw well, and I think he started to work on it mm-hmm. and a coaching staff can alter that. But I was perplexed. He, he has turnovers and sometimes it seems like he's just not identifying a defender sitting there in zone off of the man he's targeting. He's looking at the man really nearest that defender. He's not looking at the off man and the off man jumps it for an interception mm. or a PBU. Mm. But sometimes I'm like, he might've still had the time, but that half second he loses by the ball dipping down to that right hip butt cheek area is costing him a little bit. Like just snap that a little bit, stay high. So I think that's very coachable, but a huge problem. 28 career rushing touchdowns. When he gets in the red area, that's a weapon for him. I, I wrote that he can really be a long-term number two in the NFL. I don't think he'll ever be this consistent passer. He does not threaten in the deep part of the field consistently enough. He is turnover prone as a passer. But with the way the NFL has gone, his mobility and how he's tailored his game from, okay, I can run away to, okay, I can run and reset and he started to find in that final year, he, when he would reset, he knew where his target was in the middle of the field. It was just natural to him. So I liked what I saw from him. He's going to be a top 10 quarterback for me. And I, I kind of wrote him off. Like, I, I, you know, full transparency, we did our top five. Then you have Tanner McKee probably locked into six for most people. And then you look at the senior bowl guys. You're thinking like Max Max Duggan, Jaron mm-hmm. Hall, Jake Hayner, Clayton Toon, even another Shrine guy in Aiden O'Connell that we talked about. But no, Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to be a top 10 quarterback for me and somebody that at least has some tools to work with. Um, oh, and Stetson Bennett as well for some people. Right. You know, but no, he'll be a top 10 quarterback for me. I was pleasantly surprised. And, you know, for a guy that I was like, I don't know if he'll get drafted. I'm like, oh, I would take him in the in the fifth round and, and try to work with him there. Two guys that I definitely wanted to touch on before we get out of here are Tanner McKee and Aiden O'Connell, these other quarterbacks that I had in this tier three with Hendon yeah. Hooker. Now, like I mentioned, these guys are ranked within tier three. I'd clearly take Hendon Hooker, then Tanner McKee, then Aiden O'Connell. But for Tanner McKee, I mean, you mentioned the supporting cast. Did you watch that Washington game? It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. The, the Literally the four first dropbacks of the game, he gets sacked. And they're not, none of them are his fault. No. No, he, got, he had not, nothing to work with. I think he got sacked eight times that game. It was horrendous. And not all sacks are created equal, as we say. Like, this dude is, like, blinking, and he's his ribs are exploding. So I watched, obviously, a couple games after that because I needed to get actual evaluation of uh, Tanner McKee. Bigger, taller quarterback. Obviously, you would expect a pretty good arm with it, and he does yeah. have a pretty good arm. Uh, you know, something the, – the trait that really stood out to me with Tanner McKee actually isn't the arm strength because – where I think the arm is good. I don't think it's like crazy good. The trait that I think he boasts the best is touch. I mean, when he's throwing mm-hmm. wheel routes or go routes, I mean, that ball is getting in a, in a, in a, in a bread basket. I mean, he yeah. is really able to time things up with his wide receivers going up the sideline or running back going up the sideline, a tight end going up the sideline, whatever it is, however they're getting vertical, man, I was super impressed with the touch that he throws with. So I think that that is uh that is something that he boasts. My comparison for him is my pro comp is Kyle Trask because that was the 
go-to trait that I thought Trask had at Florida was always the touch pass. And I thought both of them similar in stature, similar in arm strength, where it's like, okay, they got good arms, maybe not the best arms, but I thought that that ability to really fit it into the bucket was, uh, was impressive. Something that really holds me back from really believing in Tanner McKee is he's uh, this is going to sound so harsh because he's going to be in the NFL and I'm going to, I'm sitting at a desk chair, but like, he's just a slower athlete. Like he's he's not, got no feet, dude. No feet. But I, I don't even. I'm not even talking about mobility. The release is slow. Yeah. Getting out of his wrist is slow. Him it's turning long. his body is slow. Him deciding to put his foot in the ground and run is slow. He's just not a twitched up athlete, and that shows up not just in rushing ability. I think when we talk about twitch, we always talk about rushing. It's not just that. It's the, the, the lack of twitch shows up in how long his release is. How. It doesn't feel like it pops off of his wrist. He's just a little bit of a slower athlete. So there's that. And then Aiden O'Connell, man. (laughs) Aiden had an elite passing grade last year. And I really liked Aiden O'Connell coming into this year. Connor, he had 20 big-time throws and 24 turnover-worthy plays this year. Now, (laughs) O'Connell's got really nice base work of fundamentals. I love that his hips are always pointing exactly where it needs to go. When he is bounced around the pocket, he is doing so with light feet, with quick hips, with the shoulders pointing where they need to go. I think the release is nice. It comes out a little bit high sometimes, but I think the fundamentals are great. Also, like the zip that he throws with, like the arm strength, he's a guy that isn't afraid to push it down the field. To me, Jameis Winston. That's what wow. he was. That's what I was when I went when I watched him. I thought about Jameis Winston. Now Jameis goes number one overall because he had incredible collegiate success, but we saw that consistency really come down and average out and get a little bit even further than some people thought. And to me, that's what that's what Aiden O'Connell is right now. He is so hot and so cold. He'll give you some phenomenal throws, and then he'll give you some what in the world was that. The Syracuse game has one of the funniest and worst interceptions that I've seen from a quarterback I graded this year where he is getting sacked, and it's like, buddy, there's not even a receiver there. Just tuck it and get sacked, and he throws it directly in front of him four feet to a defensive lineman that didn't even know it was coming, and he returns it, and he picks six, and he scores. Now, that was not even in a game where they needed points. That was in a game that where... They were like tied. You you can't be making that throw. So, anyways, um, he's Jameis Winston to me. Last guy I wanted to shout out, uh, Jay Kaner. Really like Jay Kaner a lot. I think he'd be a career backup in this league for a long, long time. My pro comp for him was Brock Purdy. Felt that I I, I see them I like very that. similarly. Uh, Brock obviously had an incredibly advantageous situation and made the most of it, but. I always viewed Brock as more of a career backup in the NFL because of his size, because of his skill set, because of... Um, so did the NFL, by the way. He was the last pick of the draft. Thank you, because <laughs> of the lack of his arm strength. Thank you for saying it, because um, I didn't want to come off as too much of a hater. But both of those guys, what's very similar about them, confidence within the offense. Those are players who I think you have confidence being those backups to come in and maybe a pinch in those situations. So um, a lot of other quarterbacks, but anybody else you wanted to shout out or you want to get out of here? What are we doing? You know, I watched a lot of O'Connell. It's like mesmerizing. I found it's funny. Jameis, you wa- dude, you can't I, quit it. So I, I copped him to CJ Beathard, um, which, you know, it, I can go. I see what you're saying completely. It, he is very Jekyll and Hyde. I yes. probably needed to watch like maybe an hour less on him. And I, <laughs> I wrote him up simultaneously for the Badlands guide. I was like, I might as well just do this now. And I just kept watching him. Like I, like I first started, 
the problem with him is too his 2021 is so much better yes than his 2022 like you led off with that i need to watch both of those but before i did that to see him in the rhythm of a game i was like let me watch his big time throws and let me watch his turnover worthy plays because he has so many of both that it's like what is going on here and you watch him play and you're like okay the man thinks that he can he he does have Jameis in the brain like the, he thinks that any throw can happen. Yes. Any throw can happen. James um, of the brain. James of the brain. I, I wrote risk taker with a mediocre but very capable arm. Uh, oh, I thought it was better than mediocre, but all right, go ahead. His deep stuff kind of let me down. Oh, man. I, th- I think he's accurate, short area. His touch in the intermediate's good when they gave him protection. He is a, and I mean this with, like no disrespect. I mean it as like, hey, coaches, take a hint. Trevor, he is a play action merchant. Like his numbers off of play action are jarringly better than non-play action. His YPA off play action was 8.2. Mm. It drops two full yards off non-play action. You need, yeah, and it's it's everything. Like he he set his base so much better off of play action and is such a better player off play action. So I thought that was kind of funny to me. Um, but yeah, I'm rooting for Aiden O'Connell because he had a tough year at Purdue after a really good year in 2021. And there are some guys I have to finish up still. I need to watch uh, the Fordham quarterback, Tim DeMorit. Um, I need to watch. There was. I, I honestly need to watch more of Stetson Bennett. I just, I know this is a terrible way to scout. I just can't wrap my head around a 192-pound quarterback, like, coming off the board in the first five rounds. I just struggle so no, much. I, no, he's going to be mid-late, mid-late day three. I mean, he turned six in October. He passed on the senior bowl and then got arrested that weekend. Like I'm going to give him a fair shot. I really am. But that's, that's a trio that you don't love to see. Sure. So, sure. and he might, he very might well get drafted. He tested, he's tested really oh, I well. Think he's gonna, I think he's going to get drafted. Yeah. He's tested really well. He obviously championship pedigree. Right. So I'm not done with this quarterback class, but um, it's, it's a, this is a ride. This if quarterback it, class was a ride. If anything, you draft Stetson Bennett. So you have him on the team. So when other Georgia players are coming through, you can ask him about him, you know? Yeah. 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 Like an extra, like an extra. Yeah. Scout, you have so. an extra scout. Right? Yeah. Teams, teams do do that. All um, right. Well, Stetson, Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan, uh, Malik Cunningham, Jaron Hall, Tyson Bajan. Like, let us know who we didn't talk about that you guys want to yeah, hear Tommy our thoughts DeVito. on. Right. We, we can give some thoughts on these guys in the comment section and then further down the road when we get to our big boards, right? And so we want to hear from you. Let us know what your thoughts are on this quarterback class. Let us know what your thoughts are on our thoughts on this quarterback class. Get in the YouTube comments. Start the conversations there. We know you guys got takes on quarterbacks, so let's hear it. Of the guys that we mentioned and some of the guys that maybe we didn't get to, we want to hear from you guys and uh ask it you can ask us their thoughts on quarterbacks as well if you're audio only you can hit us up on twitter at tampa bay trey at connor j rogers same thing on instagram as well we appreciate you guys so much for subscribing to the youtube channel holy cow we are over seven thousand subscribers and it is absolutely incredible y'all are the best what you gotta you got like a flyover going on what are you doing i hear someone on my roof right now that's why i'm looking up like i'm like what the like when you know when you hear it well I mean, I've lived in, the, in a city for a long time. You hear like the steps and nobody, by the way, this is the top floor. Like this is the roof. Yeah. I hear somebody like walking above me and I'm like, I thought somebody was in my house. I was like, what the hell? No, it's Christian. So, she's grilling up there. Yeah. She's, yeah. Right. Yeah. Grilling. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you guys put the grill up there. Let us know oh, what you guys thought God. of this quarterback class. Uh, we are going to have another installment 
of the collab mock draft series coming for you guys on monday so make sure you look out for that well monday you know as you guys know doing sunday night releases too so whether you're you're listening on sunday night or on monday make sure you look out for that one we had a blast with the bootleg football boys last week this week we're getting the ringer nfl guys on it benjamin solak danny kelly they're going to be joining Beauty. me connor's going to be out he's going to be out and uh we're giving him a little bit of, of, of a break from the mock go to the homeland so. of trevor i'm the i'm the new uh Tampa member of the podcast I for two know. days. <laughs> I'm so I'm so jealous. But myself, Ben Solak and Danny Kelly, we're going to be running through a brand new mock draft. It's going to be so much fun. Those guys are two of the best in the business. I'm looking forward to it. You guys should as well. I'm Trevor Sigma. That's Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We will see you guys next time.